1: Hello and welcome to the Rookie Chef podcast with me, Nadia Zirfat, where I'll be interviewing some brilliant chefs about their exceptional recipes. We did this recording at home, so sometimes the audio quality might not be what we would expect in the studio. This week, I'm joined by chef, presenter and founder of the School of Walk, and we're going to be discussing Thai green curry. Hi, Jeremy, how are you?
0: Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. As as good as can be. Yeah. (laughs) Stuck at home in many different ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah, aren't we all? (laughs) Um, So for anyone that doesn't know, could you just give us a lowdown of the key elements of a Thai green curry?
0: Yeah, Look, it's It always starts with the pestle and mortar before the ingredients, I think, for a proper Thai green curry. So, you you know, I I always say with Thai food, um, the pestle and mortar is probably the most important bit of equipment that you need um, because you kind of want to squeeze all the the, the the, the oils out of all the herbs and spices. Um, But essentially you've got a, a, a Thai green curry paste that you've got to make. Um, and then, uh, and then you just have to love your curry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, give, give it, a, 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 give it time. you got to, fry off the paste and the spices um and 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 then as you go sort of through it you sort of gradually add the coconut milk or and depending what what meat or or fish or or you know even tofu and veg you're putting in there you know that, that needs to be almost seared into the paste before you you get into the rest of the curry um but um but yeah, I, 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 I'm I happy to go through like each and every step in a much more intricate way um, when you're ready. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you you talk about how important the pestle and mortar is in creating the, the paste. What do you think that a paste can give that a shop-bought jar of Thai green curry paste can't? OK,
0: yeah, I mean, you get there's so many different types of jars of. Thai green curry paste and I say sort of I'm in, in inverted commas paste because like some of the more sort of western jars of curry paste are, I would say are definitely you know they're probably mixed with quite a lot of liquid or water or coconut milk already and things like that yeah and those those sort of pastes are definitely in my inverted commas I wouldn't call those pastes you can get um sort of more authentic Thai curry pastes um and, but Again, because they have to sort of sit on shelf for quite a long time, they might have um yeah uh, sort of uh, preservatives additives um uh yeah you know, even sort of uh it, it might be hard to sort of avoid things like m s g in them and things like that and I think like it it, it is it that when you make it from scratch and you make it fresh it it's a completely different Feeling, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know that the the end product, your final dish, is always going to be far more tasty because you know if you're using fresh herbs, fresh um uh for, and all fresh paste ingredients, then you're sort of bringing the oils out. You know, literally at the time of cooking, and that's what makes the difference. You know, and and perhaps it's a good time to go into what's actually in a good sort of fresh Thai green curry paste. Um. You know, the the things that might be easier to, to find are your, you know, your garlics and your green chili, you know, garlic, green chili, uh, lemongrass these days is pretty easy to find. Um, uh, coriander root we use. So uh, I think a lot of people tend to sort of throw away the coriander, the stems of coriander and the root of coriander, but that's got so much flavor in it and also texture Um, so we always use coriander root in in a in a good green curry paste um and then thai shallots or normal shallots or or swap it out with just normal onion that's also fine um thai shallots everything in sort of thai herb or 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 ingredients tends to be slightly more sweet um uh, and doesn't quite hit the back of your throat and more citrusy than you would have your your classic sort of uh, onions or, or shallots uh, western onions and shallots so the same with um, your, your galangal for example so we're moving into more sort of um, uh, I guess exotic te- territory here where where you, you know you wouldn't necessarily get galangal or um, kaffir lime leaves in in sort of all the major supermarkets western supermarkets but they for me are core ingredients to good Thai green curry paste um, you know, galangal, if I explain that, is uh, very much taking that concept of ginger. Like if you can't find galangal, you can swap it out with ginger, but it won't taste exactly the same. Yeah. It will give you a good green curry paste. It just won't be exactly the same. And that citrusy flavor that comes off of galangal, it's kind of like a, almost like a citrus menthol ginger yeah <laughs>
1: um it sounds um, very different to your standard ginger that you you know get in your local supermarket or
0: yeah it is and it's rock solid it's not something that you can um necessarily like bash with a cleaver you know like <laughs> yeah. um so so whereas ginger you can so um so so you want to take your your gal and gal um it, it, you know when you're chopping into it you've really got to chop into it really fine as finely as possible first before it goes into pestle and mortar and uh, kaffir lime leaves are one of those things that i always have in my freezer just because i am who i am but not, not everyone would have that um you can buy dry caffeine lime leaves but personally i feel like they don't add anything there's no taste to dried um lime leaves um similarly to dried curry leaf i just feel like you may if you can't get fresh just leave it out (laughs) yeah yeah um um, and if you can't find kaffir lime leaves then you can swap it out with things like a little bit of um lime um pith or you know like a a, um a lime peel or um and just grate it in again not 100 percent necessary um but so the idea is just to reiterate so if you've got your you know Your your shallots or onions garlic green lots of green chilies like if we're talking like two to three cloves of garlic I might use like eight to twelve whole large green chilies in this curry paste and one of the, the sort of best things about green curry paste or any curry paste is that you can make lots, always make lots and freeze what you don't use. Yeah, yeah
1: I think you um, mentioned that on the phone the other day and I was right. really surprised that you could freeze it because it kind of makes the whole experience of making a curry a lot less daunting because if you yes. sort of make a big batch, you freeze some, then that's half of it done, right? Well, right. maybe not yeah. half a quarter, but that's yeah, a lot I, of the work done already and then you can just sort of have it on tap, I guess.
0: <laughs> absolutely. I, actually, at the beginning of lockdown in March, I... Um, I made a huge batch of curry paste and I used it for so many different dishes. It wasn't just for a Thai green curry. You know, you can use it with stir fries. You can use it to sort of marinate chicken or meat um, and then roast it. You know, whatever you want, you can use because it's got all those great ingredients in there. Um, And I I think it took uh, about four months in the freezer to get through that wow. green curry paste so <laughs> and how, i and on it, i use it on a weekly basis yeah. yeah
1: how long would you say it lasts for once you freeze it and also what's the best way to freeze it 6 months oh, wow. um and
0: okay. you can it, it, possibly even longer the best way is to do it in i find it on a like on a in a thin layer on greaseproof paper on top of a baking tray um so you freeze it in that thin layer so that once you've once it's frozen the next day take it out of the freezer and then put it into a, a food bag and and just crack it and like into smaller pieces. So it's not in
1: a solid lump and then it's hard to sort of get the amount it's, that you need.
0: Exactly. You could do it in in ice cube trays as well. Um but I love um, that trick.
1: I found that one out recently and it just blew yeah. my mind.
0: Yeah, exactly. Cause then you've got one little piece for each curry, you know. Yeah. Um but I quite like the sort of thin layer because that means that you can take little bits uh, depending on what Um, what you want you know you don't always have to have the same ice cube amount yeah Um, uh, so so yeah the uh, the only things other things I'm missing into that sort of finely chopped sort of uh, set of ingredients would be so classically um, uh, you'd have things like uh, lesser ginger in there as well which is something that you definitely can't find here in the UK that often in Chinatown they always have it in most sort of Thai supermarkets and Vietnamese supermarkets, they'll you'll probably find it. it uh, another name for it is finger ginger because it kind of looks like long <laughs> fingers. Like kind of good for this sort of time yeah. uh, around around Halloween, I yeah. guess you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but but it, lesser ginger is is like a sweeter, um, uh, less citrus, um, more bittersweet uh, sort of type of ginger. Um, uh, similarly to turmeric um and we put turmeric into this as well because turmeric uh the color sort of it, it the the yellow almost accentuates the green
1: yeah. of
0: the curry um I, and it, i i tend to if you can use fresh turmeric root um in the paste um uh, because it, it, it again it's got a, a sort of fresher flavor you get the oils and the, the the sort of moisture that comes out of that as well it just fit, it will give you the best curry paste for sure yeah and then the last ingredient that we put into that is it, it tends to be uh, about half to one teaspoon of shrimp paste and that's the sort of classic like deep savory flavor that you'll get from your your thai curries that sort of combines with the fish sauce and seasoning later on in the actual cooking of the curry.
1: Yeah. That's a lot of incredible ingredients (laughs) in there. And as as you've said, it's, you know, a lot of them aren't necessarily um, readily available in your local supermarket. So you'd say the best places to buy them would be sort of Thai supermarkets, Vietnamese. Is there anywhere? And online as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a few online uh, Asian supermarkets now that you can buy um, these types of ingredients. Yeah. Um, one thing is that it, it's very as you, you almost can only make it in bulk because if you even if you get like one small pack of galangal, it'll give you enough for like you know twenty green curries. You know? so, <laughs> um, so 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 you know be prepared to sort of get that pestle and mortar going. And the thing is, like you you really need to like um, finely chop all those ingredients. Uh, combine them all together in the pestle and mortar. We have a little tip in in at School of Walk, and that is that don't put your shallots in until last, yeah. and w- along with your shrimp paste because a they're very um, the shrimp paste is really smelly, <laughs> and um, <laughs> keep no your other kitchen smelling really. free yeah. as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Just open it for as short a time as possible that pot of shrimp paste, <laughs> um, and and then um, and the Thai shallot the sh- or shallots uh, like much like onions, you know, they'll make you cry for twenty minutes of pounding. So yeah. Um, so, so, so get get everything else pounding first and then you want to get that paste to a really, like a smoother paste and a unanimous paste rather than like bits of yeah. ingredients. Yeah, And that could take a 15 to 20 minute yeah. sort of set of pounding.
1: Yeah. yeah. Speaking of onions, do you have any tips to stop yourself from crying? Because <laughs> I always leave them until last because my eyes just, I can't see yeah, by I- the end of it.
0: I, I I've tried numerous different ways uh and our YouTube School of walk audience have like told us many many different ways um because I'm constantly crying on the videos <laughs> so um I, and they, you know there's there's been like goggles uh there's I was been, gonna appara- try
1: goggles at one point yeah but
0: <laughs> yeah, apparently like um uh bite a piece of bread or hold a teaspoon in your mouth or something like that like So I said to the guys, actually, what we should try is try all of the techniques that have been suggested on our YouTube channel uh, in one go and see whether that works. (laughs) That would be a
1: sight, wouldn't it? It's kind of like hiccups. (laughs) Everyone has their favorite way of stopping hiccups, but do any of them actually work? It just, (laughs) I don't know.
0: Scaring. Scaring definitely works. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Or a combination. like drink have hold some water in your mouth and get scared at the same time oh my gosh that
1: just sounds painful <laughs> see I'm gonna try that now and if it works then I'll I'll take your advice on anything you say about onions because I feel like you've yeah. tried and tested both things
0: <laughs> there should probably be a disclaimer on that one for don't try this at home but anyway yeah
1: <laughs> so um speaking of school of walk I think you mentioned the other day that um Thai Green curry is one of your most popular courses
0: Yes, yeah. I mean, we 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 have like an introduction to Thai cuisine course at the school, and I, I, I you know I started the school in just Chinese food, but now it's like Chinese, all types of Southeast Asian, Korean, and Japanese cooking, and the Thai ones for sure were this sort of the second quickest to fill up um, a few years back, and now they're just as just as popular as the Chinese classes, um, and so yeah, the, and and we did sort of at one point I think we took our original like Thai green curry, Tam salad and Thai spring roll um, menu off, off our class list and we got quite a few complaints from customers really? about it. So we had to bring it back in. Yeah.
1: What do you think makes it so popular? <sighs> I,
0: That's you know a what, very I think, hard question, but yeah, in your opinion. It's, it's a, it's a Moorish nature um, of like, that perfect balance of Asian cooking, I think, yeah. and and that, and 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 the Thai green curry sort of holds that. If it's cooked well, it holds that perfect balance really well. Because with Thai food, what you want is a a balance of like, sweet, sour, savory, salty, like all in the same sort of bite. Yeah. Um. But I always talk about a balance of flavour, texture, and colour as well in all types of Asian cooking. Not you know, not just Thai. Um, and, and so that, that if you get that perfect balance, right, then it, uh, I, it, when we do a lot, we used to do a lot of consulting for, for, for chefs and restaurants. And I, when I was sort of teaching about Asian cooking, it's like, um, if, if you get the perfect balance of flavor, texture, and color, then when you sort of go in for one bite, uh, you've had that bite and it's delicious. The first bite you want to then go in for the second, third or fourth bite. But even if that dish was like cold, it, it taking you so long to eat. Not that it would, if it <laughs> tastes so good, um, that you, you would still want to go in f- for more. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's what is the epitome of Moorish food. Like you know, something that really you just keep wanting to go back, go go back for more. If you get that perfect balance, you're guaranteed to have have created that like Moorish comfort food feel. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think a Thai green curry is so popular, um, because it not only has that perfect balance of flavors, as I've said, um, you know, sweetness from the coconut milk, um, saltiness and spiciness um, from the base spices and, and, and the fish sauce, um, and then all combined together, and the citrus flavors, and 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 you know, this almost slight sweet sour from things like um, your, your your kaffir lime and. And then whatever ingredients you put in it, you get, you add the textures on top of that, you know, you're going to get a, a really good Moorish uh, dish. Yeah.
1: So, so what goes into your research when you're sort of discovering how to perfect a certain dish? How do you mm-hmm. get to that end result where you feel like it's exactly what you're looking for and you're ready to teach other people how to make it? And
0: Right. I mean, I I, I consider myself quite, quite fortunate in the sense that um, since a young age, I, I've I've, my family, you know, traveled a lot. Um, uh, and so, you know, having lived in Southeast Asia, I lived in Singapore with my family when I was around 10. That's when my sort of foodie journey really started. Um, and I, having lived there and dotted around all these different Southeast Asian countries at a young age, I, I sort of picked up a palate and a taste for for that this type of food anyway. I think when I'm testing recipes now, like if I don't know something... Um, and I want to I want to try something new. And I possibly you haven't even gone to that country to, to, to eat that food. I, I don't just look at sort of one recipe and just cook it yeah. straight away. I might look at like 10 or 20 recipes. And I guess because I write recipes now, it's slightly easier. I can kind of look at a recipe and go, you know what? Either the ingredients list of that is really great and authentic and it's got a great traditional base to it. Or even if it's slightly modern, I don't mind that. Um, but um, uh, it and I encourage it for sure yeah. but also the written sort of method of that recipe um, if I really don't know how to cook something then I want to look for how that is written and yeah. go okay well that I'm I'm learning something here um, I can take something from this recipe yeah and then I might look at sort of five ten twenty recipes depending on how complex the the, the, the dish is and, and and then go okay make my own mind up as to which out of those sort of few recipes what you know what bits of advice I can take from each of those recipes yeah yeah, yeah
1: definitely. before I then
0: create my own yeah
1: <clears throat> and I think it's a lot down to personal taste as well or what sort of flavors you prefer it with some recipes sort of um I know when I first started really looking into how to cook a recipe mm-hmm. at first I would just sort of read the list read the method and follow it to a T yeah <clears throat> but as I've got more comfortable in the kitchen I find myself adding stuff and you know tasting it along the way and deciding oh I think maybe you know more of this or less of this
0: right and you, and you are that that you're bang on that's exactly how everyone should cook like right? yeah. you know in my view because like it, you can't it, I actually don't I'm not a big fan of the word authentic <laughs> yeah. because and and I I believe in tradition and I'm quite a traditional type of person, but like I also love like um, new ideas and new takes on things. And, and cooking is like the perfect practical or physical activity for like creating something new Yeah. without, and especially without sometimes even knowing that you've created something new. And so you might take a traditional thing, like a really traditional thing like this, like a Thai green curry, Um, where, you know, you're creating like you put over time as you get more confident, you're putting new ingredients into it. You might cook your paste off slightly differently to someone else. Um, And of course, it starts from a base from maybe like a few hundred or thousand years ago where someone has cooked this the first time. But every time someone else cooks it, they might cook it that little bit differently, you know, and if it tastes good, I don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. You
0: know, by the end of it, you know, you just want a good tasty meal that you, you, you're happy to cook again. Yeah.
1: And um, I, was, I was speaking to my dad last night about how he um, sort of comes to the end result and is happy with what he's cooked or created. And he right. said... Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: You can have a recipe that's been passed down in your family and, you know, thousands of people have cooked it and he's cooked it thousands of times. But a lot of it is to do with the seasons, how, say, the vegetables or the ingredients are are different month by month, you know, year by year. And that's why it's so important to taste it as you go along, because you can follow a recipe to the tea, but there are so many different factors that can influence the end result
0: yeah absolutely and you know everyone's hobs are different you know someone might be cooking on
1: induction raw fire
0: versus (laughs) induction and like does that matter not really you know so long as you can get the heat and understand that moving and changing heat around like will change the way that your dish turns out in the end you know that sort of stuff like that's why for me like education and teaching is is so much fun because like it it Everyone will cook that differently. You know, when I started um, uh, teaching, uh, I, you know, when I started School of Wok, I was actually teaching at um, a college as well in London, um, and I'd have about twenty students in in one um, one room. And actually, wok cooking is so so fast; like things can happen within like minutes. You know, and so like being able to look and watch. Each one of the twenty students over a two-minute period is just not physically possible. Yeah, yeah. Of um, um, so what we used to do after a few weeks was uh, was actually we I'd teach the core principles of what cooking to those students, and then um, and then I'd get them to bring their dishes to me, their final dishes to me, not having actually watched any of them cook it, um, and then I'd teach them how to like critique each one of the dishes on how it was cooked not necessarily how it tasted but how each dish was cooked by just looking at it (laughs) you know and each and every one of those 20 dishes every week would come out that slightly slightly differently um because each student had cooked it um in a slightly different way and perhaps the heat wasn't quite up at the right time um on certain dishes versus another you know um and so it's about changing heat, understanding when, to, when when to when to do that. And but you know, as I say, if it tastes great, I don't I don't care.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Um what would you say are the top three mistakes, or even one, that people yeah. make when uh they're making a Thai green curry at home?
0: Okay. Uh the first mistake is using a jar <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> for,
0: for the paste. <laughs> um, even if you can't find the more obscure ingredients like just get some onion, garlic, ginger and some lemongrass and some green chilies and you'll make a good Thai green curry paste. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, the second mistake would be um, sort of not not frying your spices off <laughs> um, and not frying that paste properly. Um, uh, so you need to give that time. And what I say is when you're cooking your spices, your paste, it, it might take sort of anything up to sort of five to 10 minutes, depending on the speed of your hob. Um, and you need to cook your paste through until your um, curry paste doesn't smell raw and grassy. <laughs> so it needs to be fragrant, but not grassy in, yeah. in, in, in aroma. Um, and then after that, the third thing is getting the, the sort of texture of the sauce right. We tend to add coconut milk really quite gradually. So you start, once your paste is fried, your meat's gone in and fried into the paste. When you start adding your coconut milk, you add it a little bit at a time. And um, so the reason why we do that is you, you actually, I find that if you if you try and separate out the oil of the coconut milk from the actual solids... That the sort of intense flavor of that curry paste mixed into the into coconut milk, um, really accentuates. So you take like a couple of ta- tablespoons at a time, um, and then when it comes to a boil, you mix it in, you know, and then you add another couple of tablespoons, and then you might go for half a can. Uh, bring that to a boil, and then add the rest.
1: Yeah, so it's a gradual process. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Which is why I said at the beginning, you need to love your curry. You know, you need to take your time over it. Um, to, to do that yeah
1: so is there any other advice that you give to someone once they're cooking the curry itself
0: um yeah I think it's essentially once your coconut milk has all gone in then you want to let that curry sort of um sort of simmer and boil on a sort of medium heat for you know 20 minutes to half an hour yeah and that during that time you're you're sort of coconut milk will it, your curry sauce will sort of start to thicken bit by bit i tend to sort of almost take this slightly indian approach to this where if it sticks a little on the bottom um, of the pan I, you kind of want that because that's produced that's creating more flavor and you you allow it to stick to the bottom of a pan and only stir it every sort of 10 minutes or so so that you can then scrape any flavor of those spices and stickiness off the bottom of the pan and then, uh, once you've gotten that that far, if sorry, if you if you have any like sort of um, meatier vegetables or harder vegetables that need cooking, like carrots or or aubergine and things like that, those can go into uh the, to the curry uh, sort of closer to that beginning, or you know with the, either with the chicken or 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 with the meat or or, or um, once the coconut milk has all gone in. And then any sort of quicker cooked vegetables, like sugar snap peas or, you know, cor- like some people like baby corn in theirs so, or, you know, things like that, like that you want to keep crunchy, put in in the last sort of three to five minutes. Don't yeah. let them overcook. Um, and then the last process is just seasoning it. So you need to season it um, and f- try and find that balance. We've got the spicy in there. We've got natural sweetness from the coconut milk. Um, But to find that balance and almost accentuate or amplify that balance of flavour, you need your fish sauce um, for saltiness and savoury, and that's going to complement the shrimp paste uh, that's in the curry paste, yeah? Um, And that fish sauce, you're going in tablespoons with fish sauce, like usually it's about two to three tablespoons in a sort of two to four person portion of fish sauce. Uh, But go by taste, you know, go tablespoon at a time because everyone's got different salt palette, you know. So um, once you're happy with the saltiness that that fish sauce has created, then you want to balance that saltiness out with some palm sugar or brown sugar or, or normal sugar. And the palm sugar or the sugar, yes, it's adding sweetness, but it's to balance out the saltiness of the fish sauce but also to accentuate the sweetness of the coconut milk got it so so the fish mm. sauce um brings out the savory base of the curry paste and the sugar brings out the sweetness of the coconut milk
1: yeah and um i asked the bbc good food together facebook group what they'd like to hear from you what what uh-huh. sort of expert tips they'd like yeah. and um John Datta said other than chicken what works best as a protein I've tried and liked salmon but wondered if there were any other options that pair well.
0: Yeah salmon's great I, I, with with fish and things obviously it, it doesn't take as long to cook so the general gist would be for me like to to make your curry sauce put whatever veg you want in there or, or longer cooked veg in there and then put your salmon in last 10 yeah. minutes so like um uh with uh, prawns prawns work fantastically um I, I i'm a big fan as most asians are of, like prawns with shell on <laughs> rather than like just sort of peeled and deveined prawns um I, the, the shell adds a lot of like natural savory flavor to to anything you cook um so uh, you can either sear the prawns and then put them in or you can just put uh, butterfly them, take out the vein and keep the, the, the you know keep the shell and put them put them straight in. Um, and then you know different types of tofu works really well um, in in Thai green curry. Um, you get this sort of deep fried what Chinese we call it, fu bok, which is like um, little pockets of deep fried tofu. Um, and because it's deep fried, It's really spongy and therefore soaks in sauce like re like a sponge. Yeah. Um. So when you bite into it, it will soak in all that delicious sauce, and that's why I think tofu really works well in the green curry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What's your favourite?
0: I like a combination of it all. Oh, (laughs) greedy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, I I quite like a a green, uh, you know, bean chicken curry, but I would put the tofu, the deep fried tofu in there as well. (laughs) I'm definitely
1: going to try that. That sounds incredible, especially when tofu. I think a lot of people think tofu is bland, but I feel like that's because it hasn't been cooked properly. When it's cooked properly, it really soaks the flavour up, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: tofu tofu is there... if you taste the tofu by itself, of course it's bland, but yeah. it's there to be cooked into a delicious sauce yeah, and definitely. soak up the flavor of that sauce. yeah,
1: Amazing. And um, Lucy Waite said, how do you get the sauce thick as mine is always really runny?
0: Okay. Uh, my guess is that Lucy is either adding like um, stock or water into the curry. And yeah, in Northern like Thailand, you'll get green curries without coconut milk quite, yeah. uh, quite a lot. Um, so there's no issue with that. That, that what you need though is the right sort of cooking technique and that is slowly so it, as opposed to like there's a difference between braising something and boiling something like if you boil something you put water into a pan bring it to boil um, and then um, and the pan's cold it may may well be cold or warm or not hot enough if you've if you're braising something you've got something sizzling on a medium to high heat in a pan already. And then when you add liquid to it, if it instantly boils or instantly like vigorously boils, then you know that you're braising something, not boiling. And therefore your sauce will eventually thicken over time, especially with um, a good coconut milk. Um, So if you're cooking your Thai green curry, as I have in the recipe here, with a, a, a whole can of coconut milk, that coconut milk will thicken over time, but you've got to pour it in into a hot into that hot pan of cooking paste.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you've given us such wonderful information about cooking a Thai green curry. If you <laughs> go to a restaurant or get a takeaway, what would you say are the main things that you should be looking for to, that marks a, a great Thai green curry?
0: Uh, definitely going back to that last question, I think... Um, the thickness of the sauce is is important um so it's like really wrapping around your your curry and aroma um for me you can you can tell whether a thai green curry has been cooked from scratch or from a pre-made paste just from smelling it
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: <laughs> you know if you walk into a restaurant you go oh wow that smells so fragrant and aromatic then it's likely that 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 green curry or those curries have been made um, with a lot of love.
1: Yeah so I'd love to know a bit more about you personally. Obviously when people have such a a, a passion for food they usually go down the restaurant route opening their own restaurant. What inspired you to open a cookery school?
0: (laughs) Yeah I, I mean it's it's a tough one when I was much younger sort of in my early teens I did have this dream of opening a restaurant one day um but I kind of I think quite quickly wisened up to the fact that I would be stuck to um (laughs) stuck to the restaurant um all day every day and 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 also having done sort of a, a little bit of um uh, learning, um, in a, in a sort of coloring institute, um, in, in, at the Cordon Bleu, I, 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 I've sort of figured out at that point that I didn't want to be a restaurant chef. Um, and I also didn't want to necessarily like own a restaurant. Like my, my passion is definitely communication. Um, and like watching other people, not just enjoy their food, but, um, enjoy the process of, food (laughs) and and cooking. Um, And so when I was at uh, uh, the Cordon Bleu, I I, I sort of found that sort of passion. And then I went, I was in and out of marketing. I actually, I I, I studied biochemical engineering at uni. You know, I went into marketing for different big companies. And then um, I did this sort sort of basic cuisine course at the Cordon Bleu in between um, which is only three and a half months. I couldn't afford the whole year. It was very expensive. Um, so w- when when I sort of was at the end of uh, one of my last marketing jobs, um, and my my father, you know, um, uh, passed away, unfortunately, in 2009. At that point, I lost my job um, uh, and on the day of my dad's burial, and I kind of went, what do I want to do? And it was a question of where do I go? Do I, like, I wanted to do something in food
1: you're it was at, at
0: the really yeah exactly and i was at the height of my re- of the recession you know 2009 um um you know and and i kind of went right well i want to do something food but i don't want to open a restaurant i also don't want to be a restaurant chef um my wife suggested she said you're really sort of patient and you're great at teaching things and why don't you teach cooking instead like why don't you teach and i was kind of like Okay, that's a great idea. You know, so like, yeah. you know, and and I and I, I just started teaching people in their own homes and that's how school of walk started and it was a very um sort of I was thrown in that situation because I didn't have a job um uh, but uh I I kind of just ran with it um and after about six months so at first it was called sort of family friends and or like friends of friends who went oh yeah I'm really interested in that and um, after about six months I think over 50 percent of my customers came from Google <laughs> so wow um, so which was like it's still small it was only like two or three classes a week but that was still it kind of showed me that I was doing something right and yeah and and sort of you know our my first few customers were really very very kind and I'm still really actually close friends with the sort of two or three of my customers from like 10 11 years ago um and what I I I guess I found myself in this position where I'm also now doing radio or tv and things like that because I I genuinely have a passion for teaching others and want people to share that passion
1: (laughs) so I was I was going to ask a question about whether you prefer you know teaching presenting or cooking but it seems like (laughs) that the teaching element kinds of kind of comes into all of those things you're you know every yeah. sort of job you do is about teaching others how to cook and sort of how to get the basics down and Absolutely. Learn, I guess getting that passion for themselves
0: yeah whether you're in my view whether I'm teaching a class of 10 people a crowd of you know 500 people or I'm teaching um, thousands of people through a camera it's no different. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, at the end of the day, it's communication and getting people enthusiastic um, and excited about cooking this type of food. Um, and, you know, but I, I, you got to bear in mind, I was trained in Western cooking, you know, not in Asian cooking. Perhaps because of my background, I, I've sort of found a place in the Asian food scene, um, uh, But um, and I have definitely got a huge passion for the type of food that um, we teach, but it's just food in general that I love um, talking about and sharing that knowledge with and also learning from other people. It doesn't matter where people yeah, come from, whether yeah. they're chef or not.
1: Yeah. So do you feel like your training in Western cooking has helped your, your current role at all? or do you Massively, feel like they're just massive oh really yeah.
0: yeah i mean it's all combined you know at the end of the day my big learning over the last sort of 10 11 years and even before is that it's core techniques of cooking that make you like allow you to cook whatever you want yeah um so whether it's like western or asian cooking those core techniques generally are going to be pretty similar um, the only one in Chinese cooking that I would say is like completely unique that a West that Western cuisine doesn't have is what cooking <laughs> like yeah. really like everything else that like, you've got like you know deep frying steaming poaching braising you know these days sous vide cooking you know all those sorts of things like will like can spread across any type of cuisine Yeah,
1: yeah and I'm sure you get a lot of Beginners in your classes who have no idea how to cook at all. So, what would your advice be to people who are at the very start of their journey, just beginning to learn to cook? Do you have any advice to give them?
0: Yeah, yeah. The advice is probably sort of going back to the last bit of the conversation, and and that is once you've learned sort of those core, you know, six to ten techniques of cooking things, (laughs) um, then you you can then start to be really creative and as you are sort of finding, you can start to add your own ingredients or choose your own ingredients and maybe ch- slightly change that technique slightly to your liking. Um, but until you've learned those core techniques and those are the traditional, I guess, more authentic sides to cooking, like until you've learned those techniques, then you're always going to struggle. So, um, uh, so, you know, knife skills, really important, no matter what cuisine, uh, um, and then you've got your your frying or pan frying or deep frying you, you've got your um your your poaching and braising and what the differences are between those roasting techniques are really important in all types of cuisine Um, probably more so in western cuisine than in in asian cuisine because not not that many people in asia actually have ovens <laughs> um, um but in old traditional restaurant senses there's always been sort of clay ovens and things like that um a you know and then double cooking in Chinese is what what we call like piecing together two or more of those core techniques yeah you know um so obviously with Chinese food as I said we've got wok cooking and stir frying which is another technique but once you've learned those sort of six seven core techniques then you can move around the kitchen and do what you want and yeah. and be as creative as you want
1: I think that's excellent advice because it it is kind of daunting when you first start to cook. I mean, I've cooked all my life, but I've never really been into cooking, if that makes sense. I haven't put the time into really learning, right. but it's only sort of recently that I I really do want to learn how to sort of adapt dishes and make my own and right. learn about all the different flavours and elements to cooking. So I think that's fantastic advice for sort of, discovering how to do that I guess
0: sure so who did all the cooking before you started cooking
1: (laughs) well to be honest I actually cook a lot at home but I wasn't very adventurous with it so I sort of like I said I'd follow a recipe but I wouldn't sort of think about what I had done right or wrong and adapt it and change it to my taste I'd sort of just follow it I wouldn't taste along the way yeah. Which is, it, as I've, I'm told by my mum, terrible. <laughs> she yeah. says you need to taste along the way constantly. But I think it's recently being surrounded, obviously, in the the job that I do, being surrounded by people who have such a passion for cooking and and know so much. It's yeah. really opened my eyes to the fact that I think I was kind of scared of failure. I was scared of trying stuff and you know adapting it, and then it turning absolutely terrible and everything's burnt and it's too salty and you know I just give up but I think you can only really learn through failure
0: sure sure you know one of my things is like I believe that if you know how to eat you you will know how to cook I definitely know how to eat (laughs) you know like (laughs) that's one of my talents some people especially like beginners are maybe a little bit less you know they haven't got the confidence they can't say oh you know I just don't know how to cook it's like well Do you know how to eat? Like, do you like, what do you like? Do you like this? And what do you like about it? You know, what, what do you like about a Thai green curry? Why is it so tasty to you? You know, and then when they start to explain those things and i like oh you're teaching me already yeah. you know like you know yeah. and, and that's that's just it you know I, like with my 3 year old he's not the best eater like i have to admit and um, but over lockdown he's gotten a little bit better um and little things like watching films like ratatouille have yeah. helped you know like and um, and that is like that concept of like gusto where it's like you know everyone can cook i kind of like agree with that you know like everyone can cook it's in everyone you know it's in everyone's blood because you have to eat like at yeah. least two or three times a day, you know? So like um so so you you just physically will get there if you either taught right or you're you've got that exploratory nature within you to go, oh, how did someone actually make that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have time for, but thank you so much. I've learned an incredible amount of information and knowledge, and I feel like <laughs> I can really nail the Thai green curry now, as well as probably many other types of cooking after that. it's my
0: pleasure. It's my pleasure.
1: Join us next time where I'll be learning the secrets behind another favourite dish. Thank you. And that was the Rookie Chef Podcast with me, Nadia Zirfat. To get the recipe and find out more, go to bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcast and make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode.